I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine who's going to be our speaker this morning, and his name is Jed Haas. And Jed, uh, come on up wherever you are. There you go. And uh, Jed's a good friend. I first met Jed in 2005, and uh, Jed was looking for a job as a youth pastor, and uh, we hired him at Lakeview in Stoughton back in 2005. And um, Jed's continued to serve there. And uh, most recently, what we have in common today is we are both church planters. And Jed is now planting a church in Appleton. And um, I'm going to let Jed share uh, what's on his heart this morning. But welcome, Jed. We're glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Bless you. Awesome. Yeah, great to be with you guys. It feels like family because... uh, the Kellens have been family for me, even though at Lakeview, I only got to spend, I think it was like nine months to a year or something like that, um, with him actually on staff. So thankfully he got me a job and then I got to stay there and he left. But, um, <clears throat> but through that, through that, uh, I got to, uh, continue to be kind of in a, in a mentorship role, uh, where Jerry's taking me under his wing and, helped me grow in a di- from a distance, and uh, his son, Dango, is a great friend of mine, and so Dango has has been a, a blessing, too, in my life. So um, <clears throat> that is a, a privilege to be with you guys as, as family. We were, bat- we were here, I think, was it two years ago, a year and a half ago, and we loved it, and uh, same kind of energy. God is at work in this place. This place is awesome. Can you guys give yourselves a hand for that? Yeah, seriously. So this is my family. Uh, that's uh, CJ there sitting on my lap. He now has a buzz cut, but uh, we let his hair grow the first three years of his life, and then my wife dreaded it. And it was pretty awesome. But um, and then uh, and that's my wife Kendra, and then Kylie is our daughter. She's four, and uh, CJ's three. Kylie's from the South Side of Chicago, and we got her at two days old, and. Um, our son CJ is from Madison and, uh, we got him at five days old and just this year we got to, uh, adopt him. And so he had his forever day on May 9th. So it was pretty awesome. So we are blessed. So that's our family. And, uh, so as we, uh, enter today and the talk, let's, uh, let's just pray together and then I'll get started in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you that we as your church can get together and that we can, we can encourage each other. We can serve each other by taking care of each other's kids, by speaking into each other's lives. Thank you for the stories that are told up on stage of what you're doing in the lives of, of so many people in this, in this church family. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for every single person here that you've brought us together <clears throat> this morning, not, not just out of routine and not just out of sheer discipline, but, but out of, uh, I, th- I, I believe, out of a place where you've, you've led us here for this morning to hear what you have to say, that we would go out and we would live it and we would do it. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that we would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say, and uh, that we would walk out of here encouraged, uplifted, and that we would live uh, at truly as the family of God together throughout the week. So we give you this time. In your name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, for those of you in here, I'm, I'm looking around and I see a few kids. 
Um, my kids are down in the amazing Bridge Kids, right? Yeah, Bridge Kids. My kids loved Bridge Kids the first time. They went right in there the second time. It's awesome. Um, but as a, as a kid, uh, man, I was on top of the world, right? You know, you can dream about being anything that you want to be, you know? So I wanted to be for the Minnesota representation here. I wanted to be uh, a Twins, you know, first baseman. My brother wanted to be a shortstop. We dreamed about that all the time. I also uh, had the privilege to have two girlfriends at one time. That was pretty cool. At two different schools, I was a pastor's kid, you know, so you, know, you got to watch out for those guys. And uh, life was just good, you know, as a kid. And and then uh, I got I got sick, and, and uh, some of you might be able to relate with that, who have some health stuff, and you might have heard me cough a little bit here even this morning. It might during my talk, but um, I got sick for about nine months, and doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And so as a kid, I was like, what is, you know, everything was going so good, and then all of a sudden, I had to face this health stuff. And so one day, we were trying to figure out what's wrong with me. I was at a specialist in Marshfield. And uh, they're running all these tests and stuff. They can't figure it out. And um, my doctor comes in, and my dad and I are sitting on the, the table there. And my dad had been preparing me for if they were to figure out what's, what's going on. So how my dad prepared me, um, I had the privilege to have a dad who loved the Bible. And so he uh, prepared me through God's Word. And he opened up uh, Isaiah 41.10, which says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. <clears throat> Isaiah 41.10. And then he opened up to uh, another passage that I remember. And back then when he was saying them to me, I, they, I didn't really get it. You know, I, I didn't really think the significance. I was just a kid thinking, what is wrong with me? Who am I? What is going on? And uh, he opened up to Luke one thirty seven. Luke one thirty seven says, nothing is impossible with God. And so those verses have stuck with me. But the doctor walks in the room and, and he looks at me. He's a compassionate doctor. Actually, he, he gave me free medical care for a year. Wow, because we didn't have insurance. But he walks in and he says, hey, Jed, you have uh, cystic fibrosis. And I'm like, what is cystic fibrosis? What, what in the world is that? And he explains it. It's basically a genetic disease I was born with, with uh, a lung condition that affects my lungs and it affects my pancreas and it affects a few other things, part of the body. It gives you a low immune system. And then he went on to say, uh, in the age expectancy, it's a terminal disease, um, <clears throat> is 16. But don't pay attention to that. You know, you get car wrecks and whatever, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, he's... he's ch- He's a, he's a great doctor. He, he can relate to kids really well, you know. But he can. And I didn't hear anything after that, though. I didn't hear anything. Um, all I heard was 16. All I heard was genetic disease. And that stuck with me for a long time. And uh, they've made a ton of advancements, just so you know, in the crowd here. I mean, the average age is now 42, and it's rising, and medical advancements are awesome. But um, <clears throat> at that time... All of a sudden, uh, I had like a CF above my head, cystic fibrosis. All of a sudden, I went from this kid who had all these dreams, ambitions about who he could be, dreamed about all this stuff, to labeling myself, to, to living in the shackles and bonds of my identity that all of a sudden was just placed on me, called cystic fibrosis. 
And that affected kind of how I made decisions. It affected how I went to school the next day. It affected how I related with other people. And uh, through m- middle school and high school, I really struggled, and I st- still do to this day, to be honest. Uh, I'm an honest guy, so I'll just share a lot with you. But um, I-, I struggled with uh, self-esteem, with always trying to prove myself, always trying to validate myself, always trying to say I'm worth it. Um, you know, I-, I have something to offer to this world, you know. <clears throat> and so through middle school and high school, really, I, I lied, and I kept the CF a secret. People are like, why do you cough? Oh, I, just, I got a little cold, you know, something like that. And because uh, I didn't want to live in that identity, but I also, but uh, my actions did. So I tried to prove everything to everybody by being the best at sports, by being the, getting the hottest girlfriend who I married. She, she was the hottest, by the way, just to let you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and I tried to, tried to get this, uh, <clears throat> this identity, um, that out there that, uh, that would prove things to everybody. And through my 20s, actually, uh, that same thing. It was always about proving. See, I had thought at 19 years old, it's kind of when you grow up, you know, and, uh, and you kind of start to go, well, all that stuff in high school, middle school doesn't really matter. And, and I said, hey, I finally got to a point in my spiritual life where I gave my life totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. And at 19, I, I was able to say, Thank you, Lord, for the cystic fibrosis that you've allowed me to have. And I want to redeem it. I want to use it to, to make you glorified, to, to proclaim your name, to help other people walk through this kind of stuff in their life. And so at 19, I did that. But how I turned that was through my 20s of, of still struggling with identity issues, through, uh, through trying, to, trying to do the best, accomplish the most, be the most successful, and now I Christianized it. So for those of you who've been in the church and, you know, for, for a while, um, you understand what I mean by Christianese. It was, it was like I was trying to uh, validate my cystic fibrosis by doing all these things for God. And I would actually even say, you know what, God, if you put me in front of thousands of people and if, if you know, I'm going to dream big dreams about how I can help all these people. And, and really, it wasn't really about Jesus. It was really about me. It was really about my own identity. It was really about my own approval that I needed from other people. It was really about uh, me trying to say, I'm worth it in the world's eyes. And that's really what it was all about. I think many of us can relate to this. I started in a discipling relationship. Basically, for those of you new to the church, uh, basically that means I, I met with a group of men, and we called it a huddle and the purpose of it was so that we could uh, hear what, what God the Father is saying to us and that we could go out and do something about it so that we could have some accountability in our lives so we could be built up as men. And so I, I jumped into this, and I've been pastoring, and I've been, been, uh, been teaching students for a long time as a youth pastor, and, um, and God started to do some work on my life in this area of identity, in this area of who I am. And... Uh, in there, I, I started to share some of this stuff, and it, and it started to come out. And my coach or discipler, he, he said, hey, this little image right here, if you go to the next slide, he drew this out just on a, on a actually, we were on a phone conversation, and uh, he drew it out on a little sync, it's called sync pad. Well, you know, you got to get in technology, right? So it's on an iPad, and he draws this out. <clears throat> and uh, father at the top 
This is God the Father, how we relate to the Father, um, how we connect to the Father. And he, and he put, hey, here's our identity on this side, and here's obedience. And so in this, let me explain a little bit. Um, a lot of times how we relate to the Father in our covenant relationship with him as sons and daughters of God when we give our life to Jesus we relate to him through the obedience side. We relate to him by the things we do, by the things we accomplish, by the, the things, you know, we, we, how we please the Father, how we get validation from God, how deep our connection to God is, is by how much we obey, how much we succeed per se for the Father. And so a lot of us, we go down the triangle toward obedience. And then out of obedience, out of obedience, we go over to identity. And so how we say define who we are in Christ, how we define who we are as individuals um, is out of what we do. And so if you're taking notes, you could put a do on that side, in the upper left side there, a do. So what we do defines who we are. And that's where I was living my whole life. I was living that way. What, what I do for God defined and what I do in the world defines who I am. <clears throat> and my, my coach said, no, 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 we got to go down the, the triangle the other way. And you can write a big B, B-E, B or being, right? So our relationship with the Father is defined not by what we do, but by who we are through Christ. It's defined in Jesus. So Jesus is the one who allows us to have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, personal relationship with God the Father, and I'll talk about that more later. But that defines who we are, not what we do. Who we are is defined by being sons and daughters of God. And then we can go over to the obedience. Then flows out of who we are this what you do. And I struggled with that for so long. And that little triangle just made tons of sense to me. He goes, whoa, I've been trying to do, I've been trying to please people. I've been trying to get my approval and validation from people based on what I do and how I redeem my cystic fibrosis. And my identity was flowing out of that. And it always fell short and it never added up for me. Um, Along with this, for all of us, as we struggle with identity, I think in America, we struggle with identity the most uh, because we are always putting out there an image like through Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and we see all this stuff uh, about you know looking at other people and comparing. We always are driven to succeed and do, and we're defined by what we, we are, and we listen to the voices of whatever the world says that we are to be and do, and, and that shapes us, and that shapes how we live. And so I was living as a kid with cystic fibrosis, as an adult with cystic fibrosis. I was living as this person who was trying to do and be and listening to all the voices of the world tell me whatever that it wanted to define who I am. And I think uh, for many of us, the tension is, the lies that we listen to. And for me, I've listened to so many lies over the years about who I am. Uh, some of the lies are just self-inflicted lies. They're lies that come straight from the enemy, I believe, but also in my, myself as I, 
as I struggle with self-esteem, it would be lies like, hey, you can't, you can't do that. You have, a, you have a disease. What are you, what are you thinking? Or, hey, you're, you're not that good. You can't do that. You know, that, that's not going to work. You're not that smart. Look at that dude over there. He, he's a lot better than you. And, and I, I was defining uh, who I was and my actions of what I did by the lies that I listened to. A lot of us listen to these kind of lies in our life. Or we, like myself, label ourselves with cystic fibrosis. We label ourselves with other things that define who we are and how we live. I have a friend uh, who, uh, who lives with uh, SSA, same-sex attraction. And many times the world tries to put a label on you and identify you as gay or homosexual. And it says, hey, live in that. Live in that identity. Embrace that identity. And it, and it shapes how you live. Be bold about it. Be confident in who you are. And the reality is, is that's not who you are. That's not who he is. And he knows that. And that's a really cool thing. He's got a, a sweet story about saying, no, 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 no I am. I'm not gay. I'm not homosexual. Yes, I live with SSA, same-sex attraction. But you know what? That's not who I am. That's not me. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. In the middle schools and high schools, they're trying to tell students, hey, live in who you are. And they're trying to confuse students with their identities. And I think all of us, that that goes into adulthood, in the workplace. You know, this is who you need to be. (laughs) You need to... You, you need to work 60, 70 hours a week if you're going to be this and this and this, if this is gonna, the, the kind of person, man or woman, that you're going to be. And we listen to these lies and these labels that are put on us. Another, another label might be, uh, I'm addicted to this. And so you own that label. You say, I'm, I'm addicted to, and you name whatever you're addicted to. And the reality is, is no, that's not who you are. You're, you're, you're not an addict. That's not who you are. That's, that's, that's a lie straight from the enemy, trying to keep you in that habit that, and keep you uh, in chains and, and, and not free. But when you start to change the way you think, it'll affect the way you live. And so when you start to say, no, that's not who I am, then you're released to be free to, to be able to... Uh, not live in that addiction anymore and be set free from that. Does that, is that starting to make sense a little bit? Um, and so those are lies and labels, but maybe, maybe our identity crisis for us comes through the things that prominent people in our lives, maybe parents, maybe others who we respect, have not said to us. Maybe it's something that you haven't been told, like, hey, you have the ability to change the world. Or, hey, guess what? I'm proud of you. Or, I love you. Or, I, wow, you are so stinking good at that. Unbelievable, right? Maybe you never heard that. Or maybe, maybe you didn't think you heard that. And so, so because of that, it has shaped the way you live. It has shaped who you think you are. And so the big idea today is this. Who you are shapes how you live. Who you think you are determines the decisions and choices that you're going to make every single day. That's just a reality. 
When you think that you're a failure, when you think that you're not good enough, when you think that you can't do something, guess what? You're probably not going to do that. It's probably not going to succeed. It's just true. And these are just principles in life. But here's what I want to show you is what God has to say about it. I want to show you what God has to say about this because this is so important. Who God says you are matters more than anything in the world. Let's back up from that slide so people don't write that down yet. But here, here's the deal. I know we got a lot of, hey, all right, yes, finally some information I can write down. It's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you want to write that down. But here's what I want to tell you right now first while you're looking at me, is I want to tell you this. Wow, you are made in the image of God. What that says is you are like God. And when God created you, he said, very good. Let that sink in a little. Do you, do you ever, when you read the Bible, dwell on just simple things like that that can go so deep and so profound that you are made in the image of God very good. And here's the other thing. You are loved by God. Here's a true or false statement. Here's true or false. If um, <clears throat> God loves you more than anyone in the whole world, true or false? Yeah. Yeah. For some of us, that just like doesn't compute because we're like, no, how does that work? There's six million. There's, you know, what? Six billion, I should say. Uh, how does that? God loves you more than anyone in the whole world. Some of you might hear, need to hear this John 3.16, the most quoted scripture verse, but the most impactful verse that could change your life. Some of you probably need to hear that today. For God so loved, so loved you that he gave his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ to die for you. Get, get this, get this. Jesus, who's God, connected in perfect unity with the Father. Some of you who are parents can understand the depth of that. And then he humbles himself. Jesus comes out, you're going to be hearing this in the Christmas story, of a virgin, Mary. And he lives as a human, making himself nothing humbling himself, and he lives a perfect life facing all the trials that our, our world does. You know, we, in life we face. And then more than that, he sacrifices his life on a cross, a brutal death by the Romans. But here's something even deeper than that. He experiences the wrath of God, a loving but yet just God who has to, who has to there has to be a payment for our sin. And so, from the first sin to the last sin. He takes the wrath of his father upon himself for us. Wow. For three days, weeping and gnashed teeth, agony, separation from his father. And then he raises again, defeats death. And he, he appears to over 500 people. It's proven in history for those of you who need the proof, you can look into it. And the case for Christ is a good one to read. And then he ascends 
in front of a cloud of witness, in, in front of tons of witnesses. And he's preparing a place to come back for us, to be with him forever. That is the good news. That should shape how we live. And if there's anyone in here who has not placed their faith in Jesus, who has not said, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I believe that good news. I want that good news in my life. Please, please give your life to Jesus this morning. This is the identity you could receive. This is the identity that just this last year I've been set free with. I've known this stuff for a long time, but it finally has sunk in and it's setting me free. And the reality is, is this identity that I'm going to go into actually has to be repeated for me daily. It's a daily thing. I have to put this in me daily because it shapes how I live. And some days I just want to be on the couch because my identity is off. Because I'm thinking my identity is in cystic fibrosis or my identity is in, in pleasing people or my identity is in other things, what people think of me. But sometimes I have to just fill my head with this stuff so that I can live this out. And so here's, here's the identity. Here's what God has to say. You are saved. That should light you up just right there. You are born again. You are actually born of God. That's pretty deep. You are God's child, the creator of the universe. Wow. We are born again. We are born of God. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God, of, of the king. We are saints. A saint is somebody who is set apart. Somebody who has been said, hey, you're mine. You're set apart to be holy. This is who you are. Guess what? You're not the label of a sinner. Remember, we, a lot of us, we walk around, we're like, I'm just a sinner, you know? And we're like, think we're humble, and we think that's something, you know, that, that is a good thing, that, that we embrace that. And it's like, no, you're not a sinner. You're, you're a saint. Yeah, you make mistakes, you sin, but you're, you're set apart. You're, you're from God. You are a child of God. Go to the next slide. You are a citizen of heaven. Wow, you are God's temple. That means each one of us, when you place your faith in Christ, you are the temple of God. You are his sanctuary. You are the church everywhere you go. This isn't the church, right? This is the church gathered. You are the church. You are his righteousness. You are his righteousness. Get the, get the intensity of that. You, wow, you, that means... You have this perfect relationship with God, with Jesus. You are in right standing. You are his. You are an ambassador to the world. You are a sent one. You represent God himself. You are the knowledge of God's glory. Dwell on that for a while. I'm not going to go into that one, but wow. You individually are the knowledge of God's glory. Holy cow. Keep going. You are a joint heir with Jesus God the Father said to Jesus, everything is yours and everything is ours with Jesus. We are a joint heir. We are a royal priest. That means each one of you, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are a priest. Holy cow. So Jerry is a really good pastor, really good. But guess what? You are just as good. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say that for you. You... <laughs> 
you're a priest. This is who you are. You're not just a priest who can do ministry as you go about. You're, you're a royal priest. Holy cow, you're, you're royalty. Do we walk around with that kind of confidence, that kind of boldness? Like, hey, yeah. You know, it's not like, hey, uh, you're my friend and you need to know Jesus, so you need to know Sue. Here, <laughs> Sue, you, you do it. No, Sue, you, Sue would be glad to do that. But you can. You can sit with your friend over coffee. You can minister. You're royally. Be confident in that. You're his chosen one. For Kendra and I, that's a very significant, very significant one for us because we understand that in a much deeper way now that we have gotten the privilege to choose our kids. And each one of the parents out here, you chose. You, you, you uh, got to have... Well, I'll stop there. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> you are his beloved. You are his beloved. I love that one because, you know, we say, we, I love you, and we, I love chips, you know, and I love pizza. But you are his beloved. Put that name tag on. Wow. You are his beloved. You are a new creation. The old you is gone. The new you has come. You are new. Do you live like you're new? I mean, seriously. Do you live like that? Or do you live in the past? Do you have to, you know, do you, or do you live, <clears throat> that's, not, that's not me. <clears throat> I'm brand new. Do you live like it? This is who God says we are. Romans 12, 2. This is our main verse. If you want to write this verse down, this is the main verse for the talk this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's verse one, spiritual act of worship. And then verse two, here you go. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to approve, test and approve what God's will is his pleasing and perfect will. There you see, it started with knowing who you are. You have to transform your mind is the first part of verse two. And then the second part of verse two is, then you will know how to live. Then you will know how to live this out. It will affect the decisions that you make. When you know who you are, it'll affect how you live. And so any of those negative thoughts, any of those lies, any of those insecurities, any of those lack of confidence statements, any of those things that, that are not of God, you need to delete those things. You need to get them out of your mind. You need to take that captive and say, no, that is not me. And then you know what you need to do? You need to put this stuff in your head. That's how you do it. Delete, add the good stuff. So you're, you don't say, I am cystic fibrosis. You say, I am a child of God. I am his beloved. Wow. That's what we need to do. One of the things that God did to solidify this in some of the ancient uh, people's lives back in the Old Testament, and the first guy he called out of, of the forefather of the, the nation of Israel and God's people, he called Abram out of the land of Ur. And one of the things he did was he said, 
hey, I, you are no longer Abram. You are now mine. You are now of God. You are now identifying with me. And he added an A-H, right? Or an H in his name. So he was now Abraham. A-H basically just translated in the Hebrew is, is of God, of God. And so he said, Abram, you are of God. This is now your new identity. Sarai, you are now Sarah. You are now of God. And then it, with uh, Jacob, who wrestled with God and wouldn't let go until he got the promise. He said, all right, you're Israel. This is your new identity. And he, so all along the way with the people of God, he kept confirming their identity in him through the names he gave. Even Jesus modeled this with Peter. With Simon, son of Jonah, he said, hey, I'm the rock. I'm the big rock here. But you know what? You're the little rock. So he identified Peter with himself. Jesus, Petros, little rock. It's really cool. So my dad, he's big into this name thing. So he started, he named me, he started calling me. He named me Jedediah. <clears throat> Jedediah means loved by God or God's beloved. And that's why that's so significant to me. Because in the midst of my life, I needed that. That was vision that my dad spoke into my life. I needed to hear, you are my beloved. Sometimes I get just the chills when I'm, when I'm laying on the couch just defeated and depressed or when I'm lacking confidence or when I'm, when I'm uh, you know, scared or fearful. He whispers into my ear, oh, you're mine, you're loved, you're my beloved. And that changes everything for me. Then when I hear that, I go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it affects how I live. All of a sudden, I'm no longer walking around defeated. All of a sudden, I'm no longer walking around like, like, like I'm, I'm all depressed or I, I have nothing to offer. It, and I'm no longer trying to please and seek the approval of everybody else by what I do. It's satisfied in just being a child of God, satisfied in being a son of God, being with Jesus. All of a sudden, I go, wow. Now I have the power to live this stuff out. So for your life, your life, and I'm going to wrap this up. I know I'm, I'm done here. But for your life, <clears throat> what is it for you that you need to be released from that's affecting how you live? What is it for you that you need to trust in some of these things? Maybe you needed to hear today that you are God's beloved. And that's going to set you free. And that's going to allow you to live in your true identity. And that's going to allow you to be confident and bold as a son or daughter of the king. That's going to give you the confidence to actually live out what the Bible says, which is you are more than a, a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are God's masterpiece. Maybe that's what you needed to hear today to affect how you're going to live. Some of the things for me that I need to hear recently is, do I really trust God and his provision? I'm a church planter, right? You know, we, we got to trust a little more sometimes uh, in, the, in that situation where, for our provision. And God is saying, hey, 
Uh, are you really going to trust that you're my son? And hey, you know what? In Matthew 7, Jesus says, hey, doesn't, doesn't like you guys who are great parents, you know, if, if your son asks for bread, do you give him a rock? Or if your son asks for fish, do you give him a snake? Hey, I'm God. I'm going to give much more extravagantly than you. Do you trust me? I mean, seriously, and it affects how you actually live by what you think, right? Maybe for you, you've been going through a a failure. Maybe you've just failed big time. And you're living in the shame of that failure. And you need to hear, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're mine. Maybe you need to be released from that. And that's going to shape how you live. What is it for you? What is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Imagine if we all left this room and we lived like this. People would be going, what is happening at the bridge? Holy cow. These people are like, yeah, nothing affects them. They have joy They're confident. They're bold. (laughs) They're going out, telling everybody about Jesus, telling everybody about how they can be set free. Wow. Imagine that at the bridge. Who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't want to hear this good news? Everybody does. And so if you're out here and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, this is the kind of identity you can get. And he wants you to be his son or daughter, will you give your life to him? It it will shape how you live. It'll radically change your life, as you heard the testimony up here. Going overseas and, oh my goodness, who imagined? You know, did you ever think you would be there? No, no way. No way. It's awesome. The journey is great. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this time together. Thanks for uh, the privilege it is to get to call you Lord, get to call you Father, get to call you Daddy, to get to lean into your love. Yes, Lord, I know we're going to have suffering. and Lord, I, I give you mine. I lay it at your feet and I, I thank you for the privilege it is to get to walk through this life with you, that you're holding my hand every step of the way. You're holding our hand every step of the way. Lord, help us live like that. Commit this time to you in your name, Jesus. Amen.